Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. This morning's study I found to be very, very interesting and very insightful for me personally. And I pray that uh, the knowledge and revelation that I receive, I can share with you in a way that impacts your life also. Today's study is the number 48th Parsha study. It's Shoftim, S-H-O-F-T-I-M. Shoftim in the Hebrew language is judges. We will be studying in the book of Deuteronomy. The entire Parsha study is in Deuteronomy 16, 18 through 20, uh, 21 through 9. And this study covers rules given by God to Moses. Moses then shared it with the Israelites in order to help them when they went into the promised land. Now keep in mind, they still have not entered into the promised land. They are there on the edge of the Jordan. They could look out and see the walls of Jericho. They knew that they were going to go and occupy. But God wanted to establish his rules and his laws for the people to go and establish a society that no one's ever seen before. Remember I mentioned last time I taught was that many societies uh, uh, operated with fear and intimidation, bribery, manipulation. But that isn't what God's about. That isn't what he wanted. He called his people, when they were at Mount Sinai, he called his people to be a holy people and to partner with him. But he wanted to make sure that they understood the laws, the regulations, the rules. So when they went in to occupy, they would be like no other people. And that those Israelites would be fair and judge fairly to all people. Amen? So, Shoftim uh, is very interesting. It covers several things. Uh, we're going to drill down on only one aspect of the Torah portion, but let me give you the five things that this, this was teaching the people, or Moses was sharing with the people. Number one, it was for rules of worship. Okay? Now, keep in mind, this is about justice, judging fairly, rules of worship. Appointing a king and appointing the judges. And we'll go into all this. He also was teaching about cities of refuge. Cities of refuge was set up to where if I accidentally killed somebody, I was out in the field cutting wood, another man would be there with me cutting his wood. My axe head falls off or flies off, hits this guy in the head and kills him dead. Okay, well the families would be upset and come revenge for me. But these refugee cities that they were to establish throughout the land gave me the opportunity to go before the judges of that particular city and find refuge. And they would protect me from that family. So that was a very important aspect. The other thing was on witnesses and testimonies. You know, it took, in order to, in order to really uh, convict somebody, you couldn't have just one witness. There had to be two or three, and the stories had to be identical. And the person that they were going against, it was their responsibility, or the, 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 the witness's responsibility, 
at the city gates to throw the first stones because they wanted to eradicate this sin out of their people. And the last was the rules of warfare. I I had to stop and study that for a minute. That was a very interesting uh, uh, thing that God was doing there. Number one, rules of warfare was before they went into battle, the the, the commanders would go through the, the men and say, okay, guys, how many of you have built a house this year but have not lived in it? How many of you? handful of people. He said, go. Go live in, go leave. You're not fighting this time. Go. How many of you have planted a vineyard but have not partaken from the fruit yet? You. You go. You go home. Enjoy the fruits of your labor. And the third was the kind-heartedest people. There's some people, they just don't have the ability to, for violence and to kill. They're just too soft-hearted. And God told them, let them go also. Amen. Let them go. So God's plans are awesome in the way he ruled his people. And what's so awesome about God is that these rules still apply today. Amen. We still walk in these rules. And this teaching today is going to help us understand how these rules apply to us as we sit here this morning. Amen? Amen. So I, I kind of like to always have a title for my teaching. And today we're going to be studying godly leadership. We're going to study the godly leadership through the kings and the judges. Amen? Now, my goal is that you receive the revelation of this leadership teaching that you, me, everybody here possesses the skills to lead. And I'm going to break it down and show you. It's fascinating, in my opinion. And uh, also, God wants us to know that these skills and the way we, and we're not supposed to judge, but the way we apply justice in a matter helps us to identify the kingdom of God. Because God was establishing these people with these rules because he wanted the Jewish people to be identified as being a just people. Amen. Amen? So, the four offices that we're going to look at today and cover on leadership is going to be the office of the of the judge of the king of the priest and of the prophet go with me to deuteronomy 16 verse 18 through 20 and let's start with the reading of the word verse 18 i'm reading out of the niv it says appoint judges and officials for each of your tribes in every town the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall judge the people fairly. Verse 19. Do not pervert justice or show partiality. Do not accept bribes, for the bribes blind the eyes of the wise and twist the words of truth. 20 goes, but justice, justice shall you pursue, so that you may live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now I want you to notice here. You know how Pastor Larry has told us when a word is spoken twice in that same passage of Scripture? There's a, there's a meaning. There's a hidden meaning there. Justice, justice shall you pursue. The second justice is for us to identify that it is necessary for us to be just in order to just. It is necessary for us to be justified in ourselves in order to judge and 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 lead people in a manner of judgment do you follow me at that time 
So, the hidden secret. But you must be just to justify, okay? So, let's look at our first office. We've got that established. These people were supposed to be justified to lead. Okay, in Deuteronomy 16, 8 through 19, it talks about the judges. And the judges, these are their requirements and their, and their obligations or duties. First, the judges were appointed, appointed by the people of Israel. And then they were established within the cities in which they lived. Okay? I believe that the way they were appointed, we can kind of see a little mirror or, or shadow of that, is how they chose Stephen to be one of the disciples, to help out with the people. You know, you had to have a sense of godliness, which their requirements as a judge is to be very well versed in the law. So you've, you've had to spend the 40 years studying this word. You had to spend, because remember, they were in the desert for 40 years. So they had to really grasp and understand that. They were held accountable, these judges, for making sound judgment. As the scripture says, do not let bribes or or things perverse or prevent you from making sound judgments. For the blind eye will lead you astray. Okay? And the last thing of the judge is... If a case was beyond their ability to judge, and this is very important, if the case was beyond their ability to judge, they were to take this case, its people involved in the case, the judge, and they would go see the priest. And they would bring this, this case to the Lord. And the Lord would then decide the verdict. And then the outcome would, would go forth. And you could never change In any of the rulings that were made, reverse them. You could not reverse them. God wanted perfection within his people. We're not a perfect people, but he strived to train his people to live up to his standard. The second office we have here is the king. You'll find him in Deuteronomy 17. He also was chosen by the people of Israel. He must not be a foreigner, and he should come from one of the tribes. He must not be given over to excessive wealth, which is silver and gold, lots of horses. He was not to send any people to Egypt to get him any more horses. We're done with Egypt. We don't want anything from Egypt coming up here. But see, the horses represented power. Many kingdoms had their horses and chariots. Egypt had their horses and chariot. Well, that was, that was a sign of Military strength. Well, see, God was the Israelites' military strength. And he did not want these Israelites to go and gain all these assets. He didn't want this king to to get a big head and go get all this stuff and thinking that it's now him and not God. So it was very, very important that that the king did not succumb to, you know, the need of excessive wealth. Also, women, having an excessive amount of women. And also, he should not be hungry for warfare. This man should be chosen to be a man of peace. He is to lead the people in peace. The other thing I found very interesting for the king was that he was supposed to handwrite the Torah in his own hand. He would sit down. That was his job when he became king. He was to write out the Torah. And he kept that Torah with him every day. And his job was not only to write it, but to study it. 
In order for him to judge and rule his people, it was important that he also knew everything that God had done for his people. Amen? Amen. He also helped Israel by his example in keeping the law. He cared for the safety and peace of Israel. The king was responsible of making sure God's will was done within the kingdom. And he was also to deliver the people from their enemies. That was the responsibility of the king. The office of the priest. You'll find him in uh, Exodus 29. And you'll find him again over in Leviticus 8 and 9. Confirmation and the fulfillment of office are those what those scriptures are. But the priest was to come from the office or tribe of Levi. And God was the one that had to choose the priest. Now I find this story very interesting over in Numbers 17. And it was when, remember Pastor Lydia was teaching on corn and, and the fall and demise of corn and how God licked up the 249 people with all this, the, the little incense. You remember all that? You know, God wanted to get, eradicate that sin. He wanted the people to see his mighty hand and power move. But the people at that time continued to still grumble, looking for a priest. So this is what God told Moses to do. He said, get all the ancient elders of every tribe and bring me a stick. Bring me a stick. And every stick, write that person's name or that tribe's name on it. Aaron, bring me your stick and write your name on it. Then Moses took those 12 sticks and he laid them in the tent of meetings. The next day when he came back, God says, the stick that has the buds on it and the blossoms, that is who my priest is. He took a dead stick to identify the true man that was going to represent the people of Israel interceding for them with God. Now, I can't help but to think of Pastor Larry and Tiz's stick. It's a magnificent. Look at the fruit of, of their labor here and the many things that they do. I, I'm so proud and so happy that all of us get to share in his vision and, and walk in this anointing. Amen. So with that said, as you choose people to be, say you're covering, look at the stick. Look at their stick. Is there a blossom and blood, uh, bud on it? I've been in churches where I've never seen any of that, I hate to say. But here, we're in the right place. At the right time. Amen. So, of course, God chose Aaron. Through the witness of the stick. But also, the priest tends to the tabernacle. And later on, he oversaw the temple. He performed the sacrifices. He helped the people keep God's law. And the priest also lived off of the offerings of the Israelite people. They were not to inherit anything. They lived off of what the people of God brought them. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's look at the fourth and final office that ruled and, and helped guide the people of Israel when they went in. The fourth one was the prophet. A prophet is an individual who speaks on behalf of God. They still do today. They still exist. Amen. He helps lead the people to God, and he brings them back to God. You see, Moses instructed the people of Israel to honor and obey these offices. They were the people over them. But, however, the rest of the Old Testament shows us 
how corruption and sin and death came into their society. You know, you had judges that were failing. They weren't holding up their legal responsibility. You had kings that would worship idols. You can start picking it up in the book of Judges. Once you get out of Deuteronomy, you begin to read Judges, you begin to see how these kings and these people became so, begin their corruption. Priests, they quit observing the law. I did a teaching uh, months ago at Fit for Life on King Josiah. And the thing about King Josiah, of course, um, he became ruled at a very young age. His father was murdered. His grandfather uh, also, I want to say his grandfather was Hezekiah. Don't hold me to that. I'm going by memory. But I think that's the order of. Uh, anyway, um, uh, his grandfather, for many years, was godless. And he allowed many things to go on in Israel that did not please God. But as he got older, he became convicted. And so he decided to go out and remove all these altars, these Asher poles, these, you know, these Moloch altars and all this stuff. The thing about him was that he only stacked them up over in a corner. So once he died, his son, who was Josiah's father, allowed all that stuff to get dug back up. But then here's Josiah. And here's why I'm sharing this story about not observing the law. The priest quit observing the law during Josiah's time because Josiah was very hungry for the things of God, naturally. And uh, when he got to the age, he, uh, he made a decree that, hey, we're going to go in and redo the temple. We're going we're gonna to offer to God and sacrifice to God the way we're supposed to. So as his men went in and began to work in the temple and organize it, they found an old scroll the Bible, the, the old, in one of the back rooms. So they pulled it out, dusted it off, they looked at it, and the men were like, hey, we got to get this to Josiah. So they took that back to Josiah. And Josiah just couldn't believe what his eyes were seeing and how misled the people were because the priest quit teaching the law. Amen? So as the story goes, Josiah was one of the greatest kings. He freed the people of all that. And, and, and they begin to prosper. So, the priests, they quit obeying the law. This is part of the corruption. And then the prophets, they gave unchallenged and false prophecies. They just did, like Balaam in his example, of course God convicted him. But, I mean, these prophets would get paid to go do stuff. You know? I mean, crazy. But, so we had the fall of Israel. After they had been given the, law, the rules and regulations and law, they came in. They were doing well under Joshua. Then they fail. But God, through his divine wisdom and his planning, brought us his son. Amen. Now listen to this. This is where it gets good. Now Isaiah 9, 6 says, For us a child is born. For us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. What are we talking about here? The prophet, yes, we're talking about Jesus. But the government, kings, prophets, judges, will be upon him. Okay? And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The thing I want you to know is that Jesus, when he came, he occupied and successfully filled, fulfilled every one of these four offices that I'm sharing with you. 
It's evident throughout the scripture. Jesus was the perfect judge. The reason why is that he took no bribes. He showed no partiality. He always maintained just and justice. And he was a perfect decision maker. We know that. He's the only judge who justified by taking our penalty upon himself. Amen. Amen. Jesus, the perfect king. He not only knew the law perfectly, he fulfilled the law perfectly. He does not sit on the throne enforcing the law upon his people. He left his throne to where the penalty of the law would be placed on him. Think about that. He left the throne so that the penalty that we would suffer was placed upon him. What a king. He took it. Then, then like a good king, Jesus leads his people to follow the laws of his kingdom today. And he puts preachers, he puts prophets, he puts the fivefold ministry, actually. He puts before us to help us, lead us. Jesus was the perfect priest. And I'm going I'm to go back and give you scriptures on every one of these positions that Jesus held. Jesus provided, as a priest, he provided his own sacrifice. Whereas a priest relied on the sacrifices given to them by the people, Jesus offered up his very self as the sacrifice. He provided it, and that sacrifice gave us forgiveness of sin for anybody who should believe. So if you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, you will find Jesus as the perfect judge in Matthew 5, 22. You'll find him as the perfect king in Mark 11, 1 through 11. And in Zechariah 9, 9. Jesus, as the perfect priest, you'll find in Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16. And Jesus, as a perfect prophet, Luke 24, 19. Now this morning, our focus is on leadership and godly leadership. And we have many examples in the Bible of the different leaders. Noah led, doing what was right. Abraham embraced the unknown with resilient faith. Joseph endured uh, uh, in spite of his horrible circumstances. He led that way. Moses, he stuck up for his people with steadfast obedience. Joshua ruled by an example rather than a command. David leads with humility and selflessness. I think about David when he went to Obedidim and got the ark back. And as he danced naked in the streets, exposing himself, he wasn't thinking of what the other people thought about. He didn't care. He was so happy that the presence of God was coming back to where it was supposed to go, back into Israel. Amen? Amen. Isaiah, he was a leader by rising to the occasions. Daniel... 
Daniel maintained resolve. John the Baptist, he was not afraid to call you out. He led by, hey, that's not right. That's not the way it is. Amen? Peter, Peter recovered from failure. How many of you have, have failed miserably, but by the grace of God you've come back stronger, better, with more knowledge and resilience? And Paul, he leads with a passion of what he believed. See, and these principles here that I share are kind of a blueprint on the way I process for my business. Because I have to be a, a leader with compassion. I've got to be a leader with, with, with I, could, I have to have vision. Uh, I have to be selfless. I have to enter and, and, and humble myself with my people. I can't. If you're going to have people, people are the greatest assets that you can have in a business. And it's not a dictatorship. We're a team. And I have, got to, I have got to realize that my ideas aren't always the best ideas. I have some brilliant people that work for me. And they can see things that I don't see because my mind is consumed with the whole picture. Where they have refined their art in their job. So if I went in there and dictated to them, no, this is how you do it, this is how you do it, it just breaks people down. Okay? I've also learned to endure, endure during circumstances. I've had situations where um, I've had people steal from me, not employees, but other people I've done business with. And I've had substantial amounts of money stolen from me. But I had to continue to press on, seek God for the wisdom to help us get restitution on all that. Amen? So... Also, we must embrace the unknown. How was I to know in 2019 in my business when I had millions of dollars worth of products sitting in my warehouse that there was going to be COVID? Yeah, that's what I thought. And in our business, they stopped. We were unable to do business the way we had been used to doing business. So we had to regroup, revamp, get on the phone, we had to, you know, embrace this. We had to endure, and, and, but we made it happen by the grace of God. Listen, God will lead you and give you the directions and knowledge to move on. Amen. Every time. Amen. Every single time. I trust Him. I rely on Him. I am grateful for Him. Because there's times when I'm out there working, I can't, I can't see I can't see me doing it without him at all. Got to have him. So you may be asking yourself, how does this study apply to you personally in leadership? It's very simple. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the day we received him, we received him. You can say we got him. I was I was justified, I I received my salvation, I was regenerated, whatever you call it. But when we received him, we were brought into the offices. We were brought into the offices of king, priest, and prophet. That's who he was, and that's who we receive, and that's who we become through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told us in John 14, 12, he says, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have done. 
He will even do greater things than these. So the offices that Jesus filled for his people and for us today, we now take on those offices. Let me explain how that works. You guys good? Godly leadership leads, and we're going to back into it, in the office of prophecy. Now, not all of us are prophets, but we can prophesy by speaking God's word. You follow me? Does that make sense? We can prophesy. I can say, Andy, greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. Okay? I can say, I can trust the Lord with all my heart. You can trust the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways. I'm speaking the word. I'm prophesying the word into your life. Amen. Amen. So our job as the prophet in that office is that we are to proclaim the good news. That's our job. We are required, or not required, but we are inspired. Let me use that word. We are inspired to speak the scriptures in people's lives. I was uh, in El Reno, Oklahoma, Friday, and uh, I met this gentleman. Um, he's become a, he's becoming a friend of mine. He's an acquaintance at the time. Um, he's 86 years old, and he is still out moving around at the car auctions. He's a staple in the city where I was at. Now, now he's in Oklahoma City, but he was out. We were out in the country, okay, with this little car auction. He was there, and. Uh, uh, on occasion, I spoke to him about the things of God. Amen. But he said, at, he said, um, you know, I really am challenged sometimes of understanding what, what the word means. He said, I'm, I'm challenged with that. Keep in mind his age. And, and he loves God. Because the very first time I went to his office many years ago, doing business with him, he was giving me all sorts of spiritual things. Giving them to me as gifts. That's just his ministry, a pen. He gave me this little story about the egg, the bird, the, the egg, and all that. I just, one of these days, I'll, I'll implement that into one of my messages I'm teaching. So he knows God. He has a relationship with God. But he's struggling with understanding the Word of God. And, and we're blessed here. Let me tell you what. We're blessed. We're blessed. We know the Word. We understand the Word. But I told him, I told him, I said, I said, uh, not Andy. I told him, I said, number one, as you're reading the word, write down your question. If you're not quite understanding what's going on, write it down. But I find that I learned many years ago that when I study the word, I go before God and invite the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit inspired this word. He knows this word inside and out. I said, Try that and see how that will work. He says, I've never heard that before. But he says, I'm going to take that advice and I'm going to move on with it. So I'm excited to hear something from him in the next week or two. I'll see him soon. But we are to speak scripture into people's lives. We are supposed to testify God's deity, the nature and goodness of God. And we are to inspire people as a prophet in the office of. We are to inspire the people to action and change with love. With love. Amen? Now, the office of the priest. We are to offer ourselves as Jesus, as a living sacrifice. Romans 12. You know, um, 
coming up and teaching, and, and I, I, I hate to say it this way, but I didn't have any other example because I don't want any light on me, but it's a sacrifice for me to really spend time and try to work on giving you guys something that has some value uh, in teaching. And, uh, and I don't do this for a living. This is not what I do. But when I'm asked, uh, I do it because I know that there's a blessing there for me personally. Because these words and this study is in me now, Amen. deep in me. And I continue to share this as I go. But we are to be a living sacrifice. Our sacrifice is in the worship to God. Our sacrifice is in our time, talent, and treasure. Our sacrifice is striving to teach God's perfect word to a lost and dying world. And we are to help people grow and live for God. Amen? Amen. That's what we are called to do as the priest in the office of a priest. Now... The office of the king. We all possess the, the office of the king. We are to watch over our brothers and sisters in Christ and to bring people back to God. Remember, Jesus left the 99 and went for the one? Well, how many times have we seen somebody leave church and we don't see him for a couple of weeks? I think it'd be good that we all are held accountable as kings of the kingdom and try to reach out to that person and just say, because listen, all you got to do is say, hey, I've been thinking about you. You've been on my mind and I hope all is well and I miss seeing your face. That's what kings do in this kingdom of God. So let us not grow lackadaisical in keeping those around us. And I know there's somebody here that can testify that I'll reach out. I'll reach out and check on you. I want to know that you're good. Amen? That's part of being a king. Part of being a king is also serving God's people through this ministry or other ministries. It's getting out and helping Pastor Wannerson. It's helping in the helps ministry here. It's standing here and teaching. It's it's a number of things that you can do. Altar ministry. It just goes on and on. There's so much opportunity out there to serve God's people. And the blessing in that is larger than you can imagine. It's greater than you can imagine. The other thing as a king is that we dedicate ourselves to the study of God's word. So important that we stop and take the time. We've got 24 hours in a day. Man, we can give God at least 30 is that right? 30? Hour? Maybe an hour of prayer and two hours Bible study? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, but we're to dedicate ourselves to that. And the last thing is we need to live our life in moderation. Live our life in moderation. We don't, and I don't know why the Spirit, let me think here for a minute and see. The Spirit inspired me to write that down, but. Uh, us coming to church is not about us making contacts for a living. Our purpose for coming to church is not to make contacts for a living. And I know people that do that because they have a need for money. 
a need for controlling and a need to just need. And we don't need that at all. But live your life in moderation, not excessive. Amen? Now, the, the last thing I want to tell you is about the judge. We started with the judge when it came to the people of Israel. But Jesus, being our Lord and Savior, was the perfect judge. We do not judge. We are not called to judge. We are called to love. We are, lo- we are called to give grace, to give mercy, to lead. So Matthew 7 uh, chapter 12 explains that we no longer or we should not be judges. So I want to close this. It's, pretty, it's, it's time to go. But I want to close this this way. When Israel came out of the desert, God was placing a people like no other on the face of the earth. God had, had his laws, his regulations for a purpose. He wanted that shining light on the hill. He wanted, he wanted a good, honest, God-fearing people. Amen. Amen. He wants that today. Amen. He wants us all. God's plans for us is for us to come out of the darkness and into the light and to walk as kings, priests, and prophets. Amen. Amen. So remember, justice, justice shall you pursue. Be just in the way you justify. Be just in the way you apply justice. And justice, justice that you should pursue in Hebrew is zedek, zedek, tedor. That's how you say it. Zedek, zedek, tildor, tedor. I'm learning my Hebrew. I'm not polished up yet. But take these principles today. Understand the offices that you walk in, that we, we, have, we have received through the blood of Christ Jesus. Because in those offices, we will make an impact. We will impact people's lives. And that's what we're here for, man. That's what we're here to do. Amen. So I pray that you guys receive this today. And I'm going to pray and close this off. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for this people that you call my family. I ask that the Lord bless them and keep them, that he makes his face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. I ask that you lift up your countenance and give them peace. May righteousness and peace and joy of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, consume them, and that we will be like a tree planted by the streams of living water, that our leaves never wither, and we produce fruit in every season, and wherever we go and whatever we shall touch, we'll be blessed. God bless you. Have a wonderful day, and thank you.